Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. I am so excited uh, to be with you in this moment, in this session. We're in the book of Revelation, in chapter 2 of Revelation. And today we're going to be talking about the church at Smyrna, which is the persecuted church. So this is an exciting study. Well, let's go ahead and pray and we'll get right into the word of God. Father, we're so thankful today that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. He's our King, our soon coming King. He is Lord of Lords. He's King of Kings. Hallelujah. He's the Prince over the kings of the earth. And we rejoice, Father, that we are serving him and a part of the family of God. So we ask the Holy Spirit, bless this session. Bless it in the name of Jesus. As we open our eyes and open our ears to hear Father speak to us, and we'll give you praise and honor and glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. All right, we'll be in Revelation chapter 2 and verses 8 through 11. Uh, verse 8 begins, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works, and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the, pl- the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Now, in the days of the Apostle John, Smyrna was an important city, one of the chief cities in Asia Minor. The city was first inhabited by the Hittite civilization way back in 2000 B.C. So Smyrna is located on the eastern coast of the Aegean Sea, and it's boasted a very fine harbor. That harbor exists today, and it was protected by the elements. Uh, it was abundant in sea trade. Uh, the city was taken over and inhabited by the Greeks in 11 B.C. and later became a Roman, Roman province. Uh, so Smyrna was considered to be a very important commercial center for the Roman Empire. It was also a very religious center uh, of the Roman Empire. As a matter of fact, the city of Smyrna was so loyal to the Roman Empire that they were permitted to build a great temple to the, uh, to the Roman Caesar Augustus and to his mother. Also, the uh, Smyrnans, they had uh, uh, temples to Zeus and to Sibylle. Now, they had an amphitheater that could seat 20,000 people. And because Smyrna was connected to a main thoroughfare, and due to its excellent port facility, the city became a major trading center for the export of goods by ship to other parts of the Roman Empire. There was also a large Jewish population that resided in Smyrna. And the Jews were antagonistic toward the Christian church, which had been established early in the first century, possibly by the Apostle Paul or of those who were itinerating preachers of the gospel. And it was the Jews who conspired with the Roman Empire to persecute and martyr many believers in the city. Ignatius, the bishop of Antioch, was sent to Rome to suffer martyrdom and on his journey to Rome was halted at Smyrna for a season. During this period, 
the bishop wrote four of seven letters to the churches in this area, encouraging them to remain steadfast in the faith in the Lord Jesus. When Ignatius again was halted in his journey to Rome, he completed three remaining letters. Two of them were written to the believers in Smyrna and to the bishop of the church there, Polycarp. And it was Polycarp who studied under the Apostle John, who had become aged in years, was burned at the stake and suffered martyrdom in Smyrna. And it is written that the Jews helped in the death of the saint by providing wood for the fire. And it is also recorded that another church father, Irenaeus, became, who became bishop of Lyons in France, came from Smyrna. So this ch church in Smyrna, we call the persecuted church. Now, Romans chapter, I mean, Revelation chapter two, verse eight. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Jesus Christ is the first and last, meaning there is no other whose purpose is in redemption. He was put to death through the cross, but was raised from the dead three days later. So the Lord is the beginning and the ending. He is the Alpha and Omega concerning the redemption of man. He is called the Son of Man, which is a title of deity. He is called the Son of God, and he is the second person of the Godhead. Now, verse nine says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. So Jesus teaches each of these seven churches and he says to them, I know thy works. Works is the same Greek word used in all of these letters. It's the Greek word ergon. And it's defined as toil. It's translated in the Bible as deed, as in doing, as in labor and work. But the Lord doesn't elaborate what works he knows concerning the church at Smyrna. But we just have to assume that the works of this church was in spreading the gospel. That's the reason why they were being persecuted. Uh, Jesus also acknowledges their tribulation, which is defined as persecution, as trouble, as affliction. That which is true of all believers in Christ, we're all called to endure persecution. Jesus says that he is aware of their poverty because believers were being persecuted by the Jews and by the authorities favorable to Rome. They were not able to enjoy the economic success other people groups were enjoying. And it's because the church wouldn't bend to Caesar worship. Caesar worship was very strong in Smyrna and multitudes of Christians had been and were in future martyred for their faith and their allegiance to Christ, not to idols. And it's true, many believers today in the modern world are not denied good jobs. They're routinely robbed by ungodly men of what meager possessions they have. And so we can't imagine what their life is like or what believers in Smyrna were experiencing because of our comfort living in a nation of liberty and freedom. And I thank God for the United States of America. I thank God for our Constitution. I thank God for our Bill of Rights, amen, that has stood all of these well over 200 years. I thank God for that. We live in a nation of liberty and freedom. But we know based upon the writings of Luke in the book of Acts, what lengths those who are opposed to Christ will go to. And there are many in this country who are opposed to Christ. 
Many of them are our leaders today. And they're trying to silence the church today in the same way that they attempted to silence the church in Smyrna, both of the Jews, but primarily the, the Roman authorities. Jesus himself says of those who are persecuting his followers that he knows, speaking specifically now of the Jews in the, in the days of the church of Smyrna, he knows the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. The Jews who dwelt in Smyrna were the persecutors of the Christian church. And Jesus tells those Christians that these Jews were actually being inspired by the devil himself. The word blasphemy actually means to slander. So the Jews were slandering the church in the same manner other Jews slandered the Apostle Paul during his missionary journey. We, we see that in Acts 9, 23 through 25, Acts 13, 50, Acts 14, 2, 15, 25, and 26, and 18, 12. The Jews in Smyrna most likely stirred up the magistrates to persecute the church. And Jesus says they call themselves Jews, but he says, Jesus says they're not, meaning they may have been born Jewish, but spiritually they were not uh, the children of promise. Jews are supposed to be God's chosen people, but as we know, not all Israel is Israel, just like all not the church is the church. There are many who are church members, but they're not really believers. Jesus said to the Jewish people of his day that the kingdom shall be taken away from you and given to a people more worthy than you are. And this speaking of the Gentiles, speaking of you and I. We're found worthy to be part of the kingdom of God. So we need to praise God and rejoice in that. Of the believer's poverty, the Lord says, but you are rich, meaning rich in the things of God, rich in the presence of God, rich in the rewards the Lord grants to those who are faithful. And then finally, in verses 10 and 11, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried and you shall have tribulation 10 days. Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcomes shall not be hurt of the second death. So the Christians at Smyrna were told not to fear the things which they were to suffer. And Jesus tells them the devil will inspire government authorities to throw some of you into prison in order to pressure you to recant your faith in Christ. But Jesus says to them, uh, these trials, they're not going to last long, only a short time, 10 days. And we know from the writings of Daniel in chapter 1 and verse 14 that 10 days is symbolic for a short period of time. The Lord exhorts the believers to be faithful unto death, for then they shall receive a crown of life. And in the epistle of James, James writes, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, trial, persecution, affliction. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So I want to ask you, do you love the Lord? And are you willing to suffer for Jesus' sake? And I say amen to the praise and to the glory of God. And to those who remain faithful to Christ, even to death, the Lord says that they will not be hurt of the second death. The second death speaking of eternal judgment in the lake of fire. 
Now, this is a, a letter, an excerpt from the letter of Ignatius that he wrote to the church at Smyrna. And I want you to listen to what he, he wrote to them. And why have I also surrendered myself to death, to fire, to the sword, and to wild beasts? But in fact, he who is near to the sword is near to God. He that is among the wild beasts is in company with God, provided only he be so in the name of Jesus Christ. I undergo all these things that I may suffer together with him. He suffering for he who became perfect, a perfect man inwardly strengthening me. So even in testing and trial, Jesus has promised and Ignatius acknowledges the fact that God will strengthen us for that task ahead. Praise God. And I want to take a moment right here. If you're listening to this broadcast and you're, you've just turned in by, tuned in by accident, but you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, maybe you're looking, maybe you're curious, you're looking into these things. I want to tell you today that Jesus loves you and he has a plan for your life. And he wants to rescue you from this present evil world. If you will bow your knee and humble your heart, if you'll repent of sin and ask Christ to come into your heart and life, he will do just that. He will come in. He'll make you a brand new person inside. He'll make you a part of God's family. Amen. And then you'll have the assurance that you will be able to escape all these things that are coming upon this world. Amen. Praise God. And we're going to pray a prayer at the end of this program. And if that's you, and if you're willing, amen, you pray that prayer and Jesus will come into your heart and life. He'll make you a brand new person inside. Amen. So what is the message of this church? Well, of all these letters, the Lord ends them with, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Every church that is following Christ in truth must follow what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches as he leads them through the darkness of this world. He is the light. Amen. Jesus is the light. The Holy Spirit reveals that light. And he's the one that gives us the light to show us how we walk through the darkness of this world. It is our calling while we're in this world to suffer for Christ. Christ never promised us in this life that it would always run smooth and be comforting. But to us in the Western world, persecution is light and our sufferings are not to be compared to those who live for Christ in nations where it is against the law to do so. To those believers who daily are treated in shameful ways are denied the simplest of freedoms that in the Western world we take for granted, who suffer horrible, cruel deaths for minor offenses, Death through martyrdom now is the thing that they look for. But for us in the Western world, there's so much liberty and we take it for granted. There's no one who pressures us to stay home on Sunday or threatens us with harm if we go to church services. We don't have to wait until late at night to sneak out of our homes in secret to attend a worship service. Then in the dark of night, sneak back into our home, hoping no one saw us leave, became suspicious of us and called the police to report us. Which is the greater testing? We have to ask ourselves, which is the greatest testing? Knowing that one day we'll be killed or thrust into prison for our faith? 
are being so free that we become apathetic toward our faith in Christ and lose our fervency for him. But in both cases, whether we're suffering persecution or whether we're having to deal with the uh, the spirit of apathy uh, and take the, the things that that were won for us through uh, blood for granted. This is what Paul says. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me. Amen. This applies to us, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Being faithful to him, brothers and sisters, overcoming in this life, even in persecution and testing, the Lord will grant us eternal life with him. And I say praise God for that. So throughout the Christian era, many believers, they've paid the ultimate for their faith and devotion to Christ. Martyrdom, which comes from the Greek word martyria and means witness. And we've seen that through the centuries. Many have paid the ultimate price of their devotion to Christ. And Jesus told his disciples that they would be witnesses unto him through the entire world. And the Lord has given to each of us the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We either go there in person or we go around the world in prayer or we support those who do go into all the world. Amen. Praise God. We're all part of it. We're all part of this great commission. Praise God. And he, but he said, he says, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Many believers who have attempted to follow the Lord's commission have resulted in their death and have left witness to the world that they were worthy, but the world is not. Think of Stephen, who was stoned to death. Think of Andrew, the brother of Peter, the very person that introduced Peter to Jesus. He was crucified along with his brother. Polycarp, who uh, we mentioned earlier, Bishop of Smyrna. He was arrested by his persecutors. He was led to public display. He was tied to a wooden pyre and burned at the stake. Today in areas of our country, teachers who are Christians are being denied teaching positions because of their faith. Churches are being attacked and set on fire because of their faith. Believers all over the world are being denied basic freedoms, property confiscated. They're arrested and executed because of their faith. I read of a teenage girl in India who was tortured, her tongue cut out and set on fire because she accepted Christ as her Savior. 
I also read of a Christian aid worker who was shot and killed in broad daylight while walking down the street and her, the reason she was telling people about Jesus. This is happening today. And persecution takes place because Jesus said, beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Paul writing to the Ephesians said this. He says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. So flesh and blood, they're carrying out the will of their father and that their father is the God of this world. It's that spirit that's working in the children of disobedience. We saw we read of it then we see it today. But Paul says this, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. When the world tells us to shut up, we know that the source of those attacks are coming from these unseen spirits that's working in the children of disobedience to try to stop us from spreading the gospel. But here's the key about persecution. It's designed to make the price of preaching the gospel so high that the followers of Jesus Christ don't want to pay it. Let me say this again. Persecution is designed to make the price of preaching the gospel so high that the followers of Jesus do not want to pay it. But we must follow Jesus. We want to please him. And he told us that we must confess him before all men. And when we do that, Jesus said he will confess us before the Father. Now listen to what Paul says on persecution. He says, and we toil, working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness, which is of faith in Christ. Yes, persecution hurts. It does cause pain, inward pain and outward pain. But God's grace and glory, amen, the glory of heaven, the salutation of Christ, who is the chief of the martyrs now, will excel the suffering and will bring glory to Christ. Amen. So the church at Smyrna teaches us to prepare for hard times. When I say hard times, we're talking about economic times. We're talking about political times. Uh, these we're facing now. And we'll face them again in the future. So the church at Smyrna speaks, speaks to us that uh, the church today is being made a target of destruction and of censorship. 
There is rising within our society today, not just a distaste of the church, but a hatred for it. As we move closer to the rapture of the church, the animosity towards true Christians and the true church will worsen. What we see experiencing by the church in China and in Islamic countries will happen here, even though we have within our Constitution guarantees of freedom of speech and freedom of religion. It's not making a difference to the powers that be. Today, there's a strong movement towards globalism, a one world government, and very few leaders at the top. I mean, these are the ones that dictate are trying to dictate to the west of rest of the world what we'll do. And we also understand that these leaders are void of any kind of godly moral authority. If to serve their purpose, it means starving millions to death, they'll do it. You know, Scripture teaches us that there's coming a ten-nation confederacy, what the Bible calls ten kings, or heads of governments. And these governments will ally themselves with the one ruler, to whom we know to be the Antichrist. Most of the church does not recognize what's going on today. And they'll be unprepared for what's coming upon the earth. So things will get worse before the rapture takes place. But the true church, the true believers in Christ Jesus will not go through the great tribulation. Jesus has already promised those who are truly born again and living victorious lives over the world that they will escape the wrath to come. Paul tells us that in Romans chapter 5 verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. But just as the church of Smyrna experienced, we're living in the last days, we'll experience the same type of extreme persecution. God will deliver us out of that. And this persecution we need to prepare for. Not with stockpiles of food and ammunition to fight a civil war, but be prepared to represent Christ as Savior to the world. The world's only hope for salvation and escape from this world is you and I. Because the world, they are going to be tested to them which remain on the earth. Now, Jesus has promised us this. Because thou hast kept the word of thy patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Now, Jesus said the hard times are coming. He said this, and they shall deliver you up to be, deflect, uh, to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Scripture reveals to us that many believers in Christ Jesus in this country, and not just in other countries of the world, will suffer for the name of Jesus. Amen. So it's time for the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ to prepare for what is to come, that which is already here. 
There's no need to put off what the Lord said would come upon the earth until tomorrow. It's here now. Many churches today have been defaced and burned to the ground over the last few years. Many church services have been interrupted by gunfire with parishioners shot and killed. Pastors have been murdered or thrust into prison because they stood up against government authorities that were intent upon shutting the doors of the churches. How many church leaders have been exposed because of their sexual sin? And how many churches and denominations have compromised the word of God and no longer preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? The great falling away has taken place. The victorious church in China is our greatest example of how we function as believers and maintain our victory. China is the most surveilled population on the face of the earth. And yet the church in China thrives because they work in secret to promote the gospel. They're not afraid of the communist government. Christians in China expect to be caught and thrown into prison. Many pastors expect to pay the ultimate price. They're being faithful unto death. And through their testimony of overcoming them by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and loving not their lives unto death, the church in China continues to grow and prosper. So let us settle in our mind and heart that the great falling away has already occurred, but we're faithful even unto death and we're preparing ourselves for eternity to come. Amen. And to prepare a bride to be received by her husband, Christ himself. Amen. Praise God. Father, thank you today for your goodness and for your mercy. We give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rb. TC86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said, it is the Spirit who gives life.